Hello, everyone. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast was recorded and is made available to you by Whitley Penn LLP and WP Wealth LLP solely for informational purposes. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to be construed as the provision of financial or investment advice by Whitley Penn or WP Wealth. The information discussed in this podcast is accurate as of the day it was recorded, but may then become outdated over time. Please feel free to contact us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regard to the content presented. Thank you again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to WP Talks. Today we're in the WP Cares series. This is our charitable series where we use the podcast platform to really highlight some great organizations in our communities um, and really talk about their vision and, um, and their mission. Uh, I'm Shane Miller. I'm a partner in our wealth group out of Fort Worth. And today I'm joined by Melissa I. She's the founder of The Net. Melissa, welcome. Thanks for having me, Shane. I'm glad to be here with you guys. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've I've got the benefit of knowing a little bit about the net. You know, we've had some discussions, and um, it's it's such an exciting uh, organization. But uh, I think it's best if maybe you tell the story of how it came to be, and uh, maybe a little bit about your background, why this uh, mission is so important to you, um, and uh, and what you guys are are up to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so like Shane said, I'm the founder and executive director of The Net, and we are a nonprofit in Fort Worth. And really, it was birthed out of this idea and heart for caring for people in poverty in our city. Um, and having my early 20s, spent a lot of time um, working with NGOs in third world countries, kind of had a heart for people who were vulnerable or marginalized or were struggling. Um, and just realizing through those experiences that we had a lot more in common than we had different um, and felt like it'd be neat to explore what that looked like um, in my everyday life and um, found myself at a job where I was able to do that and got to lead a bunch of college students in that um, effort. And so we were spending time with people in poverty in Fort Worth, um, people experiencing homelessness, teaching English to refugees, things like that. And, and just kind of sat in and leaned into this idea that poverty is really rooted in broken relationships. And so what does it look like to restore relationship to people who obviously have a lot of material poverty? Um, that's kind of, I mean, that's obvious, right? When someone's struggling in that way. Um, but what does it look like to address social poverty um, and people who, human beings, we all want relationship. We all want community. We all want people to support us and celebrate us. You know, even myself, um, if something good happens, you know, I'm, on my phone calling family or calling my husband or someone to, to celebrate those things with. And so many people um, didn't have a place for that. And so we were trying to just meet that need in organic ways, which is obviously like a really nebulous thing to do as an organization to start off in this idea of like, we're going to build relationships and restore dignity. And of course, donors like, how do you quantify that or measure that? Um, and we just found ways to do that and, and support people in the process of them rebuilding their lives and, and kind of have this desire to not be paternalistic. Um, you know, a lot of ch 
charity and charity work, um, it can, if, uh, if, un if not checked um, with checks and balances, well-intentioned people can kind of swoop in and save. Um, and that was, we, that was sort of the opposite of what we were hoping to accomplish. And we really wanted people to be the solution um, so that they could take credit for it. Um, and then we've taken a lot of turns. And so that's looked like we've had breakfasts, we had a day shelter for the homeless, we had an eight-year um, eight program for refugee kids, an after-school program that we started and all kinds of neat initiatives. But I would say the most important work that we've done um, since 2012 was work with survivors of trafficking in Fort Worth. Um, and that wasn't something that we set out to do, wasn't something that was necessarily being talked about um, a lot back in 2012. Um, it was just uh, something that we inevitably stumbled upon when you're with people who are from vulnerable populations um, and you learn their story and sit down with them, you realize, um, yeah, that it's really easy to be exploited when you're in a vulnerable position. And so we were finding a lot of the women and girls we were working with um, were actually being exploited. Um, and so we started visiting them in jail and trying to understand more of how it all came about and just realized a lot of them entered into um, what maybe you and I would call the sex industry or prostitution, quote unquote prostitution, if I can say that, um, as a minor. And the federal definition of trafficking would say that they're, then, then they're not a criminal with a history of prostitution, they're a victim of human trafficking. And so, um, but if you're city and government and law enforcement aren't necessarily all recognizing that, it creates a system um, that quite frankly fails those women. And uh, I'm happy to say a lot of that has changed in the last eight years, which is amazing. And Fort Worth is really taking the lead um, in not recriminalizing victims. Um, but we were able to do that. And again, it was all through the context of relationship. And so we built a relationship with the Tarrant County Jail and with the court system and provided mentorship to women and advocacy and helped them reunite with their children. And the list goes on. So that's my long-winded, <laughs> convoluted way of saying that's what the net does today. Um, we yeah. solely focus on anti-trafficking and we do that in a bunch of different ways right now. Okay. So really you took the, you know, the traditional way that, that people try to help others is let's give them stuff, right? Let's give them cash. Let's give them meals. Let's give them whatever it is. And you said, you know what, let's, let's run alongside them, build mm -hmm. a deeper level of a connection and really get to maybe the core root, which you said is broken relationships in a lot of these cases. Um, and that was really the aim with the um, tackling poverty but now it's really become focused on trafficking. Um, and that's, that's so interesting. And, you know, it's funny when you, when you first started describing it, it just seems like this crazy big ominous conquer the world type thing, but, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not so crazy, obviously, you know, it's been successful in that you're making a change. It's just more direct and it's, mm. it's maybe a, a, I would say an unorthodox approach, but it's getting, it's getting the results that I think um, you intended to get. So that's, that's encouraging to hear. Um, so, uh, so trafficking, obviously that's a, that's a very heavy topic. Um, mm -hmm. What, what are some of the things that the net is doing to make an impact in that area? I know you're, you're visiting people in jail and in, um, and some of the other things that you mentioned. Um, but what, what are some of the things um, that our listeners uh, can kind of get a feel for and how could somebody who's interested in this um, volunteer or get training, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think 
you know, you bring up a good point because we, we were doing a lot in the beginning. <laughs> um, and as leading hearts do, we're like, we'll help everyone. Um, but I think something that we recognized when we started engaging with survivors is that I, like many people, um, sort of had a media-based, maybe societal view of what trafficking was. And I'm picturing, you know, kids in basements and mall parking lot kidnappings and third world country, you know, brothels and terrible things like that, everyone being held against their will. Um, and that's just really not what the face of trafficking looks like domestically and specifically in Fort Worth. And so just starting to unravel how does someone end up in this situation? You know, we say a lot, um, you know, everyone was a little girl at one time, right? And so I have a five-year-old little girl. And right now, when I ask her what she wants to be when she grows up, um, you know, it switches to everything from a dancer to a teacher um, to a princess, a professional princess. <laughs> um, and yet I've never, I've never thought about how does someone go from wanting to be a dancer or a princess to ending up being bought and sold on the streets of our city. And I think that it would be a myth to not put those pieces together. And how does the trajectory change um, from someone becoming a little girl to someone, you know, becoming essentially property? Um, and so we started asking those questions. And, and then that really changed the way that we ran our um, organization. Because when you start peeling back those onion layers, um, we're realizing, oh, it's a lot of different failed systems that brought them to the place where they are today. It's um, not just a rescue mission, if that makes sense. And um, we're not just rescuing people from being kidnapped or out of these terrible situations and then all is well. Um, but instead, we're peeling back the layers of trauma and uh, childhood sexual abuse, which is obviously we're saying heavy things. You know, we're, there's just so many different layers that we were realizing that we're dealing with. And obviously, if you have someone who's been on the street um, since they were 12 years old, like some of the women who work for us, um, and now they're in their 30s with this rap sheet. How do we help them rebuild their lives? And so that's our mission statement is that we believe everyone's um, worthy of the chance to rebuild their lives. And so we started addressing that through employment and employing the women through our company, our Social Enterprise Worthy Co. And then also, um, you know, we started asking even harder questions. Like if, if we're going to continue to provide aftercare for women, what prevention can we do? Can we ever not just pick up the pieces of someone's life after it's been um, essentially destroyed? Is there anything that we can do to stop this from happening on the front end? And we realized, um, you know, there, the other piece of the puzzle is the demand. Like why, you know, for me, I'm thinking if I have a woman um, who's decades later coming out of this, but her initial place of being bought and sold in my city was when she was 12, who is picking up 12 year olds in my city? Like, why is that even happening to begin with? Yeah. And so we had to address the demand side, which is kind of a, just a simple economic equation. You know, you work with money and numbers. And so um, we don't want to keep addressing supply. So how do we address the demand for um, what's happening? And so we tried mm -hmm. to address demand by disrupting it. And so we have a whole men's um, section of what we do called men against sexual exploitation. We call it MACE and we have a MACE director and we do online disruptions and we have um, men's advocacy breakfast that men can come to just to learn more and to help change culture and shape the culture that allows these kind of things to happen. So um, those are some of the ways that we are addressing it is through employment. And then obviously I mentioned trauma. So we have trauma-informed yoga and self-care and typing classes and professional development and nutrition classes and 
um, helping women set goals and open bank accounts and get their cars and apartments and all kinds of things. Um, because really there's Very just cool. so many layers to what it takes to rebuild their life, which is why kind of throwing um, material solutions at a problem for us, we found just wasn't helpful. Um, but yeah. instead entering into long-term sometimes emotionally exhausting, messy relationships um, over an extended period of time and supporting someone through this kind of circular recovery model. It's not as linear as I, as my, um, I'm an Enneagram one. And so I like things to, you know, like to plan um, and planning for other people's personal success. It's not, yes, exactly. It's not <laughs> linear. It's, it's circular. There's ups and downs just like there is with everybody. And so that's what we've been trying to do is kind of be holistic and just hit it from every angle that we can to make sure that we really are seeing lives transformed and not, um, not put a bandaid on a, a very nuanced, complex issue. Yeah. There's no one size fits all with this and um, really rebuilding, right. Is um, it's more than, than just one, one thing. And so, you know, in, in your experience, you know, it's, it seems like, you know, you said, I was a little girl and then I'm in this situation. Where does that disconnect begin? Is it, is it, it's a family relationship? Is it bullying? What are, what are the things um, that we can just be mindful of as a community to say, this is a bad situation. Let's identify it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, what, what are the things that maybe we can get in front of? You know, it's interesting having two daughters and, and then also working with young women um, and seeing them in these um, really vulnerable situations. I think a lot of it is, um, it's just understanding that, well, okay, this is what I'll say, is that lately trafficking has been somewhat synonymous with kidnapping. And so it's interesting to be like in mom's groups on Facebook and things like that, and people reference that they were almost trafficked in like a Target parking lot. Um, and that's actually, you know, being robbed or kidnapped is very sad. And I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. However, that isn't necessarily, um, any sign or anything to do with trafficking. The FBI actually says that, um, of all trafficking cases in the U S only 6% involve any sort of kidnapping on the very front end. And so that's just, I think a big misnomer. And so in order to get ahead of it, I think would be to understand the coercion and the recruiting and the grooming and the boundary pressing that happens along the way Um, and just realizing that most traffickers you know they're businessmen or mostly men some women as well they are business-minded people so they're not going to kidnap a product and try to sell that product um, without having earned their trust without knowing who they are and so instead they're going to be smart about it and so most people do earn trust with the people that they plan to exploit or victimize And so that's through social media, that's through friends at school. Um, Most of the women I meet never would have said that they were trafficked by someone. They would say their boyfriend or their fiance started asking them to slowly breaking down boundaries and barriers and asking them to do things until they were in an exploitative position. Yes, exactly. A lot of that. And so I think to get in front of it, um, and of course my brain is thinking as a parent, but as a parent, I'm just talking to my girls a lot about their right to say no to anything. Like if, even if, you know, she doesn't want to give grandma and grandpa a hug and kiss that day. I'm like, you know what, sweetie, you have the right. <laughs> you can, you have consent. You can say no, you can set a boundary if you don't want to do that. Just because I want her to have 
some autonomy or and just uh, agency, sorry, not autonomy, agency um, at a young age so that she does start to understand when things feel weird or uncomfortable and know that it's not okay. And I think for a lot of women and girls that we work with, those barriers, unfortunately, weren't broken down by a trafficker. A lot of that already happened in in the home, um, in child, you know, if a lot of them have been in, in and out of foster care and just other things that have happened along the way where lines were already blurred as to what um, protection and love and caretaking and boundaries look like to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think to me, that's the, the better story to tell is what does it look like to help our community understand boundaries? And then obviously I could do a whole other podcast about technology and how that has amplified and oh, yeah. convoluted the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so it sounds like, you know, the net's kind of a big family. You've got Worthy Co, you've got Mace, you know, you've, you've got all these people involved. How, how big of an organization is in that net family? Are these people, are they therapists? Do you partner with people? What, you know, what, what's required to be someone who's part of the net? Oh my gosh. Well, there's a lot, a lot of key players, a lot of stakeholders involved because definitely could not do any of this by myself. I have an amazing team. Um, there are currently nine of us on staff. And so we're kind of all split up from MACE director to, and you know, events <laughs> director to, we have an economic empowerment case manager. Um, and she oversees a lot of the worthy co-employees and helps them meet their goals economically. Um, and then Sarah, who's the co-founder of Worthy Co. with me, she's our director of operations. Um, and so we just have a really phenomenal team in place um, that is able to care for a lot of the people that we serve because, so we've served over a thousand survivors in Tarrant County since 2012. Um, only 130 of those women have we actually provided our programs and wraparound services to. Um, and so some of them was just offering resources, you know, maybe they got out of jail and didn't contact us after that, but we were able to provide resources and classes while they were in jail. Um, and then I would say beyond that, obviously we have, you know, board members and advisory board members and just our partners, our donors who, um, who really believe in the mission and, and they're like me, they're just regular people who want their city to care for the most vulnerable among them. Like for me, I say all the time, I just want my two little girls to grow up in a city and know um, that just because other girls like them didn't grow up in the exact same circumstances or situations doesn't mean that they're not worth caring for, providing for. And there are a lot of people in our community who actually just feel that exact same way. And so they've partnered with us to make that happen. Um, And we have a whole uh, building now off of Magnolia Avenue, which is Fort Worth podcast, I can say in the near South side. Um, And it's a whole production facility. And even that building itself, I was typing out, um, you know, little email to our donors who made that building possible. And now we have women who come into work every day and it's in this beautiful space. And they feel like, wow, I can't believe all these people um, contributed to this space for someone like me is what they said when they first started working there. So definitely a lot of key players. And then none of that includes all of our volunteers who honestly make the world go round. Like every organization would probably say that volunteers literally are the backbone of everything that we're able to do. Yeah. Well, I I have a two-year-old, so I've recently watched the the Lorax and (laughs) and the Lorax says, unless someone cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to change. It's just not. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like you care a whole awful lot and it seems like you're making a lot of change in this world. So that's a, that's a very good thing. So thank you. uh, you know, uh, Whitley Penn and also the people who, who listen to this podcast, our audience, which is, you know, clients and other people in the community. 
um, they're, they're hearing this message and, and they may say to themselves, you know, I want to get involved. What, mm. what, would, what would be first steps to, to be a part of your mission? Yeah, so um, there are lots of entry points, obviously. And I would say a really like some low hanging fruit is um, people just buying Worthy Co products. And so we've, I've kind of mentioned that a little bit um, in our time together, but we started a social enterprise. It's essentially a company um, called Worthy Co, where the women that work for Worthy Co, who are survivors in our program, come and can pour candles every day and they can make um, jewelry like the earrings I have on right now, um, are handmade by them. And then now we have a retail store where people can come and shop. And then we also have a store online. And so if someone's out there and um, even just wants to give a, you know, I don't know when this is airing, but a Mother's Day gift or a birthday gift or something um, with knowing that, just having that purchasing power, knowing that it's providing a job for a woman in our city um, who, who really needs it and needs that opportunity and is building, rebuilding her life, like we said before, just brick by brick. And some, some of the ways she's able to do that is coming to our space every day and using your hands in this therapeutic environment and either pouring a candle or making something from scratch from a ball of clay. And so that's obviously a really easy entry point. Buy a candle, light it, say a prayer for our women, call it a day. Um, but then we have a trafficking training that happens twice a year. It's a biannual trafficking training. Um, and we usually close it at about 100 people. Um, we have a partial online version now to obviously hashtag COVID. So, <laughs> um, but we also still are doing um, like a distance in-person one as well, but we do that twice a year. And that's really just an easy entry point for someone to understand more of our mission um, and to just have shared language for how we're going to tackle trafficking. Obviously when you say trafficking, that definition can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, and so in order to really, either interface with the women, either through jail or court support or hosting them in your home for a Christmas party or bringing a meal to our survivor support group or being one of the men who um, help host our breakfast that we have every quarter, things like that. You would just want to have a, a fuller grasp of how this kind of happens and to be trauma-informed um, and to really understand just the nuances and complexity of, of what trafficking is so that you can then go and change culture and explain it to other people. And so our trafficking training accomplishes all of that pretty well in, in a day. Awesome. I can already hear my wife saying, you know, Mother's Day is just around the corner. I could turn you <laughs> a candle from Worthy Co. So noted as she's listening to this, noted. Um, well, uh, this, is, this is fantastic. It, you know, it's, um, it's a great group. Um, we're certainly going to post um, some resources for people to get in touch with the net. Uh, maybe we'll post a little Worthy, Worthy Co. Uh, retail store uh, link. Um, but this is a great organization, and, and I hope that the folks who are listening today will, um, you know, get involved um, and sh share this. Share this on like, comment, and share, um, as our marketing department would tell me to say. Uh, make sure that we're spreading the, the, the good news of, of the net. Um, Melissa, thanks so much for joining me today. Any closing thoughts, any, any message you want to leave our audience with? You know, no, I, the only thing I would say is that um, we always say at the net, the proximity changes everything, right? It changes perspective and the way that we respond to the people around us or the circumstances that people are in. And so, um, I just think that that's just a really neat and beautiful thing. So I wouldn't want anyone to leave me like, oh my gosh, like 
super Mother Teresa's out there starting things and doing all these amazing things. And I would never toot my own horn and say that I care about people as much as I should. Um, but honestly, just proximity to people and understanding their stories has changed the way I do everything in life. Obviously, it's changed my career path, but then it also just changes the way I raise my kids and the kind of books that I read to them and the way that we spend our money and all of that. And so just encourage everyone to find what it looks like to feel in proximity to something that might feel other, um, but also where we could step in and use our gifts and talents to make a difference. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me. And uh, please, uh, please subscribe to the channel. Hopefully you'll join us um, on another episode of WP Talks. We're going to continue the WP Care series. Um, we've got a couple uh, more episodes left um, throughout the year. Um, and then we're hoping to catch up with some of our guests in maybe a year or two to see how, how they're doing and what's changed since, since we spoke to them. So something to just uh, think about on the horizon. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, until next time, take care.